What is division? Well, division. It literally means to separate into two groups. Is this happening? Separate into two groups. The, the, that prefix die, it, it means two. It means separated. And think about what happens when you put that with vision. What is strife the result of? Two visions. Two visions in the same house. That's going to produce strife. And that's what we have in our current political climate. And the reason it's getting more magnified, more amplified, is because the visions are more different than they've ever been. You've got one that is further that way than it's ever been, another further this way than it's ever been. But it's two visions. And you know what, church? To a certain extent, what can we do about that? We can pray. We can vote. We can stand. But God himself will not overrule the will of man. And you're not going to overrule somebody's will with your prayer. At the city level, what do we have? Well, a little more authority. Maybe a little greater access to get involved. Maybe, maybe our, your, your voice is a little more amplified, magnified. And, and here we have, like I said, this church, and we can be a stand for righteousness, and, and we can be a light, a city on a hill. But what I really want to get at is that house. Because in that atmosphere, we have total authority, and we can deal with strife. And we have the ability to keep it out of our homes. Amen. A house divided cannot stand. Jesus, he witnessed this when he said, I saw Satan fall like lightning. What was that? God had a vision. Satan had a different one. Lucifer had a different vision. I will exalt myself. I will lift up my throne above the stars. How long did that vision last? Jesus said, I saw him fall like lightning. Means God dealt with it in a hurry. Quickly. God's not about to put up with two opposing visions in the kingdom of heaven. Why? Why would he not tolerate that? Because a kingdom divided against itself is not going to stand. And God's kingdom's going to stand. Which means he's not going to put up with another vision. I saw Satan fall like lightning. He's saying, I'm not putting up with another vision. Now, there's good news in this. You ready for some good news? Yes. A house divided against itself cannot stand, which ought to tell you this. A house undivided cannot fall. Yeah. 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 Amen. Amen. A house undivided, and I'm talking about your house, my house, and I'm definitely talking about this house, yeah. cannot fall yeah. if we're undivided. Um, I want to look at this as well. Some of these same words Jesus spoke in Mark chapter 3, in verses 24 and 25, he said, If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. Listen to some of these other translations. The Good News translation says in verse 25, If a family divides itself into groups which fight each other, that family will fall apart. In the Weymouth New Testament, it said, if a family splits into parties, do you hear that word? 
If a family splits into parties, that family cannot continue. Now, these are all terms and terminology we're familiar with politically speaking. We are more split today into parties than we've ever been. Republican, Democrat, whatever. But can that same stuff go on in a house? Not only can it, it is. It's happening. Families are splitting into parties. And it may not necessarily be the Republican Party or the Democratic Party, but you've got husband party, wife party, teenager party, and not that kind of party. You know what I'm talking about. Splitting into divisions, splitting into groups. What I'm trying to get you to see here is it's the same spirit. What you so distaste, what you, what you so dislike right now about what, what you see happening every day on the news, coming out of Washington, D.C., coming out of all these political high places, that same spirit, listen to me, that same spirit is knocking on your front door. It's the same stuff. It's not different. And you might think, well, I would, I would never let that in. But yet it's happening. Families are splitting into parties, splitting into groups. And he said if they're fighting one another, they're not going to stand. The Living Bible said it like this, a home filled with strife and division destroys itself. Now look at James chapter 3. This is a familiar scripture to you. And we could take a lot of time with this, read the verses around it. But I want to center in on what he said in James chapter 3, verse 16. Remember this, a house divided cannot stand, a house undivided cannot fall. Divided, divided what? Divided into parties, divided into groups. He said in James 3.16, put this up there for us, for where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. Now just leave that there for a minute. You might be more familiar with this out of the King James Bible, other translations that say where envy and strife, strife exists. Other translations say where envy and selfish ambition exist. Why translate it all these different ways? It's saying the same thing. Strife is self-seeking. Maybe I should say it like this. Strife is the result of self-seeking. Strife is the result of selfish ambition. And he said where, and this is what I did just in, in my thinking, I put in parentheses right after the word where, I put in parentheses ever. Wherever envy and strife exist, there's confusion there. And every evil thing are there. So whatever level there's envy and self-seeking, what do you find there? Confusion. You can, find, you can find every evil thing there. What if there's envy and strife at the kingdom level? What do you find at the kingdom level? Confusion and every evil work. Is anybody watching the same news I've been seeing? Would you say that, yeah, I think there's some envy and strife going on at the kingdom level? Absolutely. And what are we seeing as the result? Confusion like we've never seen it before. Questions that used to be the simplest to answer. Questions that you could ask a kindergartner and they could get right. There is so much confusion now. What's it the result of? Two visions. 
envy, strife, and every, single, every evil thing, you're seeing it at the kingdom level. What if there is envy and strife at the city level? Well, what are you going to see there? Confusion and every evil thing. What if there's envy and strife in the house? What's that house going to be full of? Confusion. Confusion. Church, I've got no time for confusion in my house. Neither do you. Confusion and every evil thing. I'm going to do something right now that I've never done before. I'm going to read something to you from a book called Sparkling Gems. Are you comfortable? It's story time with Pastor Jeremy. Just listen to this. He said, the devil knows that envy and strife destroy relationships and long-term friendships. He's aware that if he can create envy and strife between you and the ones you love, he can ruin those special relationships that God intended to be a blessing in your life. Do you have any relationships in your life right now that are under this kind of demonic assault? He said, the devil doesn't just target friendships with this type of assault. He also knows how to get in between you and your church family, a ministry you love and support, or even the organization or place of business where you work. The enemy doesn't care whom he divides. He simply wants to divide. Since envy and strife are some of the tools he uses to do this, it's crucial that you understand how to recognize envy and strife and how to stand against them. In James 3.16, the Bible says where... Envying and strife is there is confusion in every evil work. I want you to notice the word envy in this verse. It's taken from the Greek word zealous, and it denotes a fierce desire to promote one's own ideas and convictions to the exclusion, we might say canceling, of everyone else. This word zealous is where we get the word zealot, which describes a person who is so fixated, so obsessed, and so fanatical about his own cause that others perceive him as an extremist on the threshold of becoming militant. Have we seen any of this? In the case of James 3.16, this word presents a picture of a believer who is so obsessed, gripped, and preoccupied with his own view of things that he can't see or hear the view of anyone else. In fact, his militant perspective has made him lopsided in his thinking. He never takes a softer line, but holds out until the other parties admit defeat and agree with his point of view. He said this word envy in James 3.16 could be translated like this. For where there is a fierce desire to promote one's own ideas and convictions to the elimination of everyone else. That's what this word envy means. Now he goes on here to talk about the word strife. He said the word strife is taken from the Greek word erethia. Listen to this. It was used by the ancient Greeks to stand for a political party. The word strife literally means political party. This Greek word is often translated as a party spirit, 
because of its linkage to political systems and political parties. Therefore, in order for us to understand why James used this word, we got to stop and think about the way political parties are formed, how they function. He said political parties are formed by a group of people who have similar views and values. After the party is formed, the participants develop a, a, a unified agenda. Once the agenda is decided on, they create a platform. From the platform, the people begin to push their agenda and ideas, fighting fiercely to see that their party's platform is accepted and eventually put in the position of ruling and calling the shots. Now listen, he said, in the same way some Christians, no, surely not. Brother Rick, say it ain't so. No, in the same way, some Christians become so clouded by their ambition to see their own views adopted that they have no tolerance for anyone who sees things differently than they do. And these people usually gravitate to the other believers who hold similar views. Hmm. He goes on and he says, when envy and strife have made it this far, the next step in this sequence of events becomes inevitable. James 3.16 continues, for where envying and strife is, what is their church? What's next? No, what did he say first? There is confusion. Confusion. Brother Rick says, the word confusion is taken from the word akatastasia. Not bad, Jeremy. It was used in New Testament times to describe civil disobedience, disorder, and anarchy in a state, a city, or a government. By using this word, James explicitly tells us that when situations of strife and discord are allowed to persist, did you hear that? Allowed to persist. An atmosphere of anarchy sets in and begins to destroy the relationships once loved and cherished. Rational thinking is replaced by raw emotions and people end up getting hurt. Now he goes on in this verse, we know that where envy and strife is, there's confusion. And then what happens after the confusion? What happens after the anarchy? What happens after the civil disobedience and unrest and the rioting? There is every evil work. The word evil, he said, is from the word phallos, describing something that is terribly bad or exceedingly vile. We get the word foul from this Greek word. James is saying where envy and strife are permitted to operate, thus producing confusion and anarchy in relationships, they ultimately yield a foul-smelling situation. It's literally what it means. Foul. So he translates James 3.16 like this. For where there is a fierce desire to promote one's own ideas and convictions to the exclusion of everyone else's, it produces divisions so great that people end up taking sides and forming differing parties with conflicting agendas. This is a terrible event because it creates great unrest among people who should be united. Ultimately, the whole situation becomes a stinking mess. Unity smells good. What do you know about strife? Stinks. It stinks. Now, we may not have all authority at the kingdom level to get rid of strife. We can do our part, can't we, church? And we're going to do our part even before we leave this service today. You and I are going to pray together. And we're going to pray in faith. 
and we're going to exercise the authority that we do have. At the city level, we're going to step into that greater level of authority and continue to be a church, a city set on a hill. Continue to be that lighthouse that draws people in. Continue to create an atmosphere of faith and an atmosphere of love that is so inviting, that is so, it draws people into it that they meet Jesus and their lives are rescued and restored. But when it comes to your house and when it comes to my house and when it comes to this house, we have authority and we have all authority to deal with this stinking stuff. And not allow it in our houses. No division. No strife. No anarchy. And no foul smell. I don't want my house filled with some evil odor. I don't want Jesus walking into my house going, oh, oh, what, what, what is that? I don't want it. You know, I hear sometimes real estate agents when they're getting ready to show a house. They'll get there before the prospective client and they'll spray chocolate chip cookie scent everywhere. That's what I want our church to smell like. I want first time guests to be walking in going, mmm, chocolate chip cookies. Close, it's love. It's love. There was a day that Jesus and his disciples we're walking down the road. This is in Mark chapter 9. And Jesus turned around to them when they got to the house where they were going. Jesus said, hey, guys, what were you arguing about on the road? And you can tell from the next verses, they didn't even know he knew. It says they kept silent. So evidently, it kind of paints this picture. Jesus is on up ahead a little bit, and they're I don't know how many paces behind him, but they're fussing with each other. They're disputing. They're arguing. And they're like, how did he know that? How did he know we were arguing? You want to know how he knew? I mean, I can't prove that to you, but we know that strife stinks. And especially this kind of strife. He they, they said to him, or really the scripture said they didn't want to tell him because they were arguing and disputing amongst themselves who would be the greatest. Who's going to have that political place of power? This is politics getting in the house. And I just want to say something to you, church. Be careful right now. There's a real awakening in the church and the body of Christ across America, and you can see it. M more Christian people getting more involved in, in politics, and I, I believe to an extent that's a very good thing. But you're going to have to watch out. And no matter what you do in this life, you guard your heart. You are going to have to know when you've been feeding on it too much. You are going to have to know when it's time to shut off Dare I say it? Fox News. You're going to have to know when it's time to shut off CNN. And most of you are like, well, I did that six years ago. Fine, good. <laughs> You're going to have to know when it's time to shut off social media. I went through this back in 2020 with that election. I was on Twitter 
on a daily, not just daily basis, a multi-times-a-daily basis. And I wasn't posting, I wasn't encouraging, I wasn't preaching, I wasn't linking to messages. I was just scrolling looking for a fight. Not for me to get in a fight with somebody. I wanted to watch other people fight. And I knew which people and personalities on the platform stirred the pot the most. I knew which ones poked the bear the hardest. And so I'd go look for him, and I would just scroll the responses. You know what that's called? It's called being addicted to the drama. And it's not guarding the heart. You want to know how political stuff gets into a house? This is one of the ways it happens. People feed night and day on what's going on in politics, what's going on in politics, what's going on in politics. I'm not telling you not to be involved. I think you should be. You should definitely pray. You should definitely vote. But you got to know your own heart. you got to listen to your own conscience. And when it's time to turn it off, turn it off. Amen. Don't let that spirit in the house. That same spirit that's tearing apart people in Washington, it is knocking on the front door. Don't open wide and say, come on in. Don't do that. Leave it on the outside. And you would have thought that these guys, Jesus guys, would have learned their lesson. Mark chapter 10. That was Mark 9 when he called them on fighting. Mark chapter 10. And you see this in Matthew. You see this in Luke, where two of his disciples come to him and say, um, Jesus, we want you to do whatever you ask for us. Now, if you have children, you know right away that when they come to you and say, I have a question, but I want you to promise to say yes before I ask. You know immediately. What's the answer? No. If there are pre-existing conditions to this question, I know it's wrong. You know it's wrong. And Jesus said, what do you want? And they said, grant that we might sit one on your left hand and one on your right in your kingdom. What are they looking for? Political power. A, a place politically. And Jesus said, can you drink the cup I'm about to drink? Can you be baptized with the baptism I'm about to be baptized with? And they looked at each other and were like, yeah, totally. <laughs> Absolutely. Cup sounds, yeah, I'm thirsty. You got the cup on you? I'll drink it right now. <laughs> they have no idea what he's talking about. And he said, fine, you will drink the cup. And you will be baptized with that baptism. But listen to this. He said, those places you're asking for aren't even mine to give. That place of power you're longing for, that's not mine to give. Wow. He said, that's for my father to give. And then he addressed with them what he wanted them to do. He said, whoever is among you that wants to be first, let him be the servant of all. And he started talking to them about the way the world does it. And man, we still see this in our world today. He said, you know this about the Gentiles. Their rulers, their leaders, their benefactors, they all lord it over them. In other words, they all love power. They all love having a place. They all love having a title. They love it. You know what Jesus said? Not so among you. Well, you know what he's saying? Not in my house. Not in my house. It's not going to be that way in this house. If you want to be great, serve. 
See, he wasn't changing that desire. He wasn't telling them that they had some wrong desire for this place of influence and this place of power. We've got an inborn, God-given, God-born desire for greatness on the inside. The only thing he was changing is the way you get there. The thing he was changing is not through strife, not through selfish ambition, not through self-promotion. You get to that place by becoming a servant. This isn't what they wanted to hear. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that when the other ten heard these two asking Jesus, that another fight broke out. This political strife starts at the kingdom, goes down to the next level, and works its way into the home. But guess what unity does? Like the oil being poured over the head, works its way down to the beard, all the way into the garment, down to the hem of the garment. It flows the exact same way. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Legacy TV podcast. We hope you enjoyed this. And if you'd like to hear more of Jeremy and Sarah, subscribe to this podcast and download the Legacy Studios app. From there, you'll have access to the Legacy Television broadcast, the Legacy Letter magazine, and so much more. You can also visit pearsonsministries.com to contact us directly and find out how you can get involved with everything that's happening here at Legacy Studios. Be blessed today. We love you. Remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.